Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. I just want to share my heart with you today. Is that all right? And so I want to talk to you about the theme of deeper. And uh, we're going to use some illustrations of a well. But I want you to understand that the concept of deeper comes from a place of God digging out in us while we're digging out in life. How many of you feel like you've been digging out a lot lately? Right? Come on now. So there's different ways you dig out. I mean, practically, if you were moving, you could say you were digging out your house to move somewhere else. Or I had one sister share this morning how she's had to wrap up her parents' home and sell it. And so that's an excavation thing. So every time I'm talking about deeper, I'm talking about as we journey in the Lord and how we walk with the Lord, as we're called with the Lord, there's always places where the Lord is digging out in us. While we dig out in this life, as we take our journey, God is also digging out in us. You understand that? And so when we think about a well and we think about water, we can't help but think of John chapter 4, where Jesus came to the woman at the well. And so he told her, essentially, if you knew the gift that was speaking to you, you would ask of me, and I would give you water to drink of, and you would never have to come and draw again. So there is that, the, the paradox that Jesus literally is that well of salvation, and yet we also are wells. We also are wells. A church is a well. Um, many things can be wells. But all in all, the Lord is calling us to a deeper place. How many of you are content where you are? You just, we, we, we don't like playing church. It's not a religious thing. We're talking about a relationship with the living God, right? And so there's always this call to go deeper. And so I, uh, the Lord opened up to me a revelation out of the Old Testament in the book of beginnings in Genesis chapter 26. And we're going to be spending time looking upon Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise. Say son of promise. You know that old children's Sunday school song, I am a promise, I am a possibility. You know that old song that we used to sing. Isaac was the son of promise. And so we get to chapter 26, and the focus is Isaac now. And so <clears throat> talking about the background of what was happening during that time, in verse 1, it talks about that there was a famine in the land like unto the famine that was in Abraham's day. And the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, there's been a COVID in the land like there was in the days of old when there was a pandemic before. So there's a pandemic in the land like there was a pandemic in the former days. But God is calling us afresh and anew with a fresh call and a fresh anointing, a fresh healing, a fresh provision for everything we need. And so Isaac was in that day, say that day. But now we're in this day. So we need to go deeper in the Lord. So I want you to tell your neighbor, get your deep on. We need to get our deep on. I mean, we need to let God go deeper in us. It's not enough just to have known the Lord or to have accepted him. We have to grow in him and grow deeper in him. So getting into the text, starting with verse 18, the word of God says, And Isaac dug again the wells which had been dug in the days of Abraham his father. 
For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found their well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek because they strove with him. And they dug another well. And they strove over that also. And he called the name of that one Sitna. And he moved from there and he dug yet another well. For that they strove not. And he called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord has made room for us and we will be fruitful in the land. Verse 23 says, and he went up from there to Beersheba. And then this is what happens. And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. And he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord, pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. The first thing we need to expect, there's some expectations I'm trying to share with you today that you know about. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. Y'all sing, right? I'm preaching to the choir this morning. And so the first thing is we have to expect God to appear to us personally to reestablish his covenant with you. I shared in the earlier service when I was a little girl and we used to sing that old song, the Lord is God and I will praise him, my father's God. I thought they were talking about my dad in that. You know, that literally comes right from the Psalms. But I thought that they were talking about my daddy, you see. But see, it's not enough for us to know the God of our fathers. We have to know God for ourselves. It's not enough for us to, to sit there and eat the crumbs of someone else's encounter with God. We need to have our own encounter. It's not enough for us to hear from someone else. This is what the Lord says. I want to hear what the Lord says. You want to hear what the Lord says. So we have to have an expectation of God personally appearing to us. See, God told him, I am your God. I will be with you. He was with Abraham. He told Abraham, I am with you. Genesis chapter 12. Get out of your country and from your people and go to a land that I will show you. Verse seven, chapter 17, all about the covenant and what it means, that covenant that God established with Abraham. Now, all of a sudden, here comes the next generation. Say with me, next generation. The next generation now, God is now saying, okay, I'm with you. I'm your God. I will multiply you. I will bless you. Do you need that today? Or are we still going to live on what daddy had and what mama had? Are we going to have minds? We're going to have our own encounter, our own uh, relationship with the Lord. So there has to be an expectation from the Lord to appear to us to establish and reestablish his covenant with us. Can God's people say amen? amen. And, and, and from verse 24, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bless you. And multiply your seed for my servant Abraham's sake. See, in order for your relationship with the Lord to be credible, it has to be personal. It has to be personal. It must be personal before it becomes credible. 
It's believable. It has integrity. It's actual. Let's talk about it from a business sense. You're going to go sell a product. How can you sell a product that you haven't used? You're going to be a salesman of a product that you've never used. Are, is anybody that going to, the first question is going to be, have you used this? Have you used this vacuum cleaner? <laughs> and what you're going to do, say, you know, don't lie, tell the truth, shame the devil. You know, you're going to have to have some experience with that vacuum cleaner before you sell it. Well, we're not selling God, but we are sharing him. And in order for my relationship to have credibility with God, with man, it has to be personal. It has to be a personal relationship. Psalm 42, 7, we're talking about going deeper. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your water spouts. Your waves and your billows have gone over me. And so there is that sense of the call of God to come out into the deep and the things of God. Now, talking from that point, we need to look at the inheritance we've received because you see, that's what God was imparting to Isaac. He was saying, I'm going to be with you. I was with your dad. I told him the things that I was going to do for him, but now I'm telling you, I'm with you now. Okay. So he says three sojourn in this land. I will be with you. He's talking to Isaac. Now I will bless you for unto you and unto your seed. I will give all these countries. That's why the word of God says, ask of me and I will give the nations for you as an inheritance. I said, Lord, give us the nations. Give us the nations right here in this city. How about that? Señor de mi corazón, por favor, dame las naciones del mundo. I know I'm a white child, but I got a Latina heart. I will make your seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give unto your seed all these countries, and in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Now, of course, we know we're talking about Jesus, but is the story of Jesus over with yet? No. We are part of that story. We are his ambassadors. And so we know that God still has a plan. He says, I'm going to give you all these countries and your seed shall the nations of the earth be blessed. And then he says this thing, because, say with me, because. because. He's saying, because. He says, because that Abraham, this is what Abraham did. He obeyed my voice. He kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. The brother kept it all. That's what he did. So what's the principle? I can expect to prosper in my life from faithful covenant keeping fathers. Come on now. Come on now. I had a faithful mother and a faithful father, and I know the blessing that's on my life, a large part of it is from their faithfulness because they kept God's ways. They kept his statutes. They kept his law. Now you right now today, maybe you're a first generation or maybe you're, you're, you're frustrated or you're, or, or you're at the altar weeping because you have a prodigal or you have a, a son or a daughter that's addicted or turned out of the way. Keep on digging in your life for Christ because let me tell you, the seeds of your faithfulness are going to come back and get your children. You keep on being faithful to God and don't give up on being faithful to God. You be that one in your generation that keeps his statutes, that keeps his commandments, that keeps his charge, that keeps his laws. Come on, church. Let's be these people. It's the 21st century. 
Abraham is dead. But we're alive here. And we need Abrahams and Sarahs of today. We need Isaacs of today. And that's us. We're the people of God. We have to expect to prosper from faithful covenant-keeping fathers. Some of the blessing, maybe, maybe you didn't, maybe your relationship with your father or your mother was not good, but somewhere along the way you realized that, you know, we all re rebel at some point against government. The first government we know to rebel against is our parents. Thank God for the gift of repentance. You want to live a long life? Honor your father and your mother. Come on. Now that you're a mom and a dad, you appreciate that more, right? I appreciate that. I've always appreciated that. So we have to expect to prosper from covenant-keeping fathers. That's the inheritance received. Now, as we go around in our life in the walk and the journey, and we're called to the deep with the Lord, and we're called into this wonderful relationship with him, we think that because we're walking in the way of God, in the will of God, that it's all going to be peaches and cream. Well, you know that's not it, because there ain't no more Garden of Eden or Utopia. That's only going to be in heaven, and we ain't there yet. We're on our way, but it's not happening here. So this is what Isaac encountered. He heard God. He didn't go to Egypt. He stayed in the land. He dug those wells. We read what they did. They said, the water is ours. He dug it out. His, his people dug it out. It's ours. Have you ever met that spirit? That thieving spirit, lying spirit, lying spirit. So we know that there was this intensity, you see. They fought over the first well. In Hebrew, that's esek, which means fight or quarrel. But then the next well, sitna, means hostility to the point of enmity and hatred. Can you imagine? I know you can because you've been there just like me. What is going on? I'm obeying God. I'm minding my own business. I'm staying in my lane. And I got this contrary stuff happening to me. What is wrong? And then Satan will come and say, you're not in the right way. And then your own self-talk is, you shouldn't have done this. You know you shouldn't have gone and believed that this would be. No, don't listen to that, okay? Don't listen to that. Because the truth is, is we need to expect resistance, even when doing the will of God. Even when doing the will of God, you can expect resistance. You move to a great neighborhood, you think everything's okay. Next thing you know, the neighbor comes over and says, uh, you're mowing on my yard. Don't, don't mow on my yard. Here's where the line is. You go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You didn't expect that. You move into a new neighborhood. You think all is peaches and creams, and now you already got the neighbor upset. You hear what I'm saying? The other day, my, my neighbor mowed my bank, and I have to tell you the truth. We like to keep it a certain way, a certain height, but I thank Jesus for my neighbor. I called my neighbor. I said, thank you so much for mowing our bank. It didn't need to be mowed. See, the OCD in us wants it a certain height, but our neighbor's helping us out, and he mows it really short. And my husband says, he's going to scald the yard. I said, I know, but he's helping us. <laughs> said, neither of us had time to do that. We did the backyard, the front yard. We didn't do the bank. He did the bank. Bless him in Jesus' name. 
And I call him up. I said, bless you in Jesus' name. But you know, it does kind of blow your mind when you know you're in the will of God. You have the right job. You're going to the right church. You're doing right by your family. And all of a sudden, boom, you get blindsided. You get hit and you're like, what is going on? And then the enemy and your self-talk says, oh, no, you made a mistake. Oh, no, you didn't. We need to expect resistance even when in the will of God. How do you like that? In the earlier service, I was sharing, you know, made an example of sharing of going to another country and then getting called out by an immigration officer. And now I'm getting all this resistance. So my natural man says, you shouldn't have made this trip. Uh, maybe you shouldn't, have, maybe you shouldn't have taken this trip. And then the Lord says, don't listen to that inside of me. I say, yes, Lord, I'm not listening to that. So help me out here with this immigration officer who wants to kill me. <laughs> you say, you're not kidding. I, you're cheesing. Oh, I'm not. When I was in a certain nation after being five days in this nation, I got called in to report to immigration. I had to sit outside on a porch and the pastor was taking me there and I had to give an explanation why I was there. I was there legally with the United States, I was there legally with this country. I had a religious visa, so I was there legally to preach the gospel. And every legal way you could be legal, I was legal. <laughs> Say legal. legal. And I knew I was in the will of God, but I still had resistance. So I had to sit there, and he calls me, he comes to the door, and these guys peek through the door, and I'm like, this is crazy, but you know, it's a third world country. The other guy peeks through the door, and this other guy peeks through the door. The Lord says to me, that's the one who's going to interview you. And he just glared at me. He was the chief of chiefs. I get called in. He says, why are you in this country? I said, I, said, I love this country. He said, oh, yes? I said, this is like my family. Oh, so, so you're a whatever the country is. And I said, no, but almost. I said, my parents were missionaries here, and they established a church here over 60 years ago. I said, I got family and friends here. And he looked at me. He goes, just admit it. You work for the FBI. I went, oh, my God in heaven. I said, what did you say? He said, you work for the FBI. I looked at him, and I said, he didn't get the joke. He didn't get it. I said, have you ever seen their obstacle courses, man? that you got to do? Can you see me jumping up a wall and going up a rope? I mean, come on now. And I looked at him and I said, he has no context. So he, he, he's not laughing at nothing. And then I looked at him. I said, listen, I'm just a pastor here on a missions work. He said, you work for the government. What does your president say about our president? And I'm looking at this guy and he's intense. And I'm like, not wanting to lose the privilege of coming back, being respectful, but yet at the same time, this man was wanting to take me out. And so I'm like, I'm in the will of God, but I'm having resistance. So I'm screaming silently to God. Have you ever done that? <laughs> Try it if you haven't. I'm screaming silently to God. I'm saying, help me out with this brother, please. What do I say to him? I'm having resistance. I'm in the will of God, but I'm having resistance. He says, what does the president say? I said, forgive me, sir, but you act like as if the president is my next door neighbor. I don't know what the president says. <laughs> and this was during Bush's term. And I said, and he says, what does he say about our country? I said, 
All he's concerned about right now are the terrorists. I said, that I hear on the radio and the TV. I said, but I really don't know our president, you know? And he looked at me, he goes, you work for the CIA. And I just went, oh my God. Just admit it, you're a spy. Now that has me concerned. I'm a spy. And I said, God, why is this guy doing this to me? And I got it. They see the authority. They think political. They think governmental. They see the authority and it confuses them because they see the authority, but they don't understand from what you represent. You understand that? And I said, okay, thanks for that notation, Lord. I will understand now. And I said, man, I said, I don't work for the CIA either. I could go on and tell you the rest of it. And I said, get me out of this mess, Lord, and out of this place with blessing, please, in Jesus' name. I'm screaming silently to the Lord for help. Help, help me. And all of a sudden, the Lord tells me what to do. And I took out my religious visa. And I said, you know, maybe this is the problem. You're well-educated in your government. Yes, I am. I said, after all, you're an official. You know all the laws and all the rules and all the policies that your government keeps. Yes, I do. I said, now me, I don't know very much, but I do know what I need to do, I think, to come in here legally and leave here legally. And I said, so... Is maybe because I'm in another province or another state, and this was put out by the province of Matanzas, perchance this is the problem right here, that I, do I have a state visa or do I have, you have a national visa from the highest department of our country of religious affairs. And then the Lord said, now fold your arms and just lean back in your chair. So I folded my arms and leaned back in my chair and I just looked at him because he was basically saying I was there and he had no right to persecute me. And he stopped when he saw me go back and put my arms back and I looked at him. He got even more angry. And then he said, get out of here right now. Get out now. Get out now. I said, I'm, legally I can leave now. I've done everything. Get out of here. Get out of my office. And I said, well, sir, I didn't mean, get out now. So I got out of there. I was in the will of God. But that was some kind of ferocious resistance. What is yours? What resistance are you having? It might not be an immigration officer. But it might be you're going back to school or that you've got a new job or that you're trying to push forward. Maybe it's an internal resistance. It's not anybody on the outside. It's on the inside. Learn to understand that even when you're in the will of God, you're going to experience resistance. It's part of the kingdom and it's part of going deeper. You see, when they were digging out those wells, the first one was quarrel. The next one was hate to the point of murder. It's hard in our lives, the things that we experience. And I said to the Lord when he gave me this message about letting God cultivate in us a deeper relationship, letting our trust of God go deeper, letting our love of God go deeper, let God touch those places that we've just kind of uh, forsaken and ignored. Let God go deeper by his spirit because he's a loving God. Tell your neighbor he's a loving God. 
We, sometimes we so misrepresent him full of wrath and he is to be feared, but he's loving. He's calling us. I know you're leading me now to the deep. I hear you calling my name. Let's go deeper. Standing shallows will not strengthen me. It's in the waves of your love. I cry deeper. I cry deeper. 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 Jesus, I long to be. Deeper. Deeper, refreshing water flow through me. My Savior sweeps up my feet to the deep. While storms engulf me, he sings, let's go deeper. The raging tempest cannot capsize me in healing riptides of love I cry anchored I cry anchored sing with me deeper deeper Jesus I long to be Jesus I long to be deeper deeper Deeper, deeper, refreshing water flow through me. My Savior sweeps up my feet to the deep. Though storms engulf me, he sings, let's go deeper. The raging tempest cannot capsize me. In healing riptides of love, I cry anchored. I cry anchored. Sing with me. Deeper. Deeper, Jesus, I long to be. Oh, deeper, deeper, refreshing water flow through me. Sing it again. Make it a prayer. Deeper. Deeper, Jesus, I long to be. Oh, deeper, deeper, refreshing water flow through me. Refreshing water flow through me you see it's like this the standing shallows will not strengthen me 
You won't be strengthened in the waiting section. Standing shallows will not strengthen me. It's in the waves of your love I cry deeper. You know, remember, the prophet was told to go to the river, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then what? Waters to swim in. When we realize that in the ocean of God's love is where he wants to take us deeper, and he wants to carve out a place for himself and go deeper in us until he fills us with that everlasting water, and that everlasting life, then we won't be afraid of contrary places. See, the atmosphere is going to be contrary. Tell your neighbor, we live in this world. But what did Jesus say? But be a good cheer, what? I've overcome the world. So you're going to have resistance. We're going to have resistance. But all the while, God is using the resistance as a tool to form in us something deeper of himself. Let me tell you the truth, and you know it more than I do. You know it wasn't on the mountaintop that you learned the most about your Lord. Where did you learn about him? In the valley, in the deep places, in the crevices of life. You know, the places where the roaches and the ants and the snakes are. Are you getting the picture? It's in those fiery trials and in those scary places. Scary places in our health. Scary places in our family. Scary places in our job. Scary places. It was in those places where God dug out himself in you again. And he formed his well in you and he let you know, I'm taking you deeper. You're not going to drown. You're not going to drown. You're not going to be overcome. You're going to overcome it. But the adversary of your soul says, you're going to drown. You're going to die here. He said, no, I'm not. He is the resurrection and the life. I'm not dying here. I'm overcoming. The next thing, the wells of our inheritance might be closed. How many of you have ever received an inheritance? Maybe a house, maybe a car. Maybe something that was old, lift up your hands. Yes. So when you receive an inheritance, you just don't take it and go with it as it is. Usually it needs to be pristinated. Say with me, pristinated. That's what happens with old wells. They have to be dug out and pristinated. In Genesis 26, Isaac found such wells. For all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham. Say in the days of Abraham. His father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. The word of God says that after Abraham died, they stopped them and filled them with earth. You see, the soil in the well symbolizes everything human, earthly and carnal, and also of the adversary, devilish. The Philistines spitefully stopped up Abraham's wells even after his death. Isn't that crazy? Even after his death, they stopped them up. Think about that. Why would they stop up those wells after Abraham died? After he died, they stopped up the wells his father had dug in the days of Abraham, his fathers. They had filled them with earth. Why? 
because somebody had an inheritance in those wells. There are wells in all of our lives. There's spiritual wells, but then there are other types of wells that you have inherited. Don't be surprised that they've been stopped up. You know why they stopped them up? Because they didn't want Abraham's children coming back in that land and saying, this is ours. Remember what they told Isaac? This is ours. This is ours. This is ours. But whose was it? It was Abraham and it was Isaac's. They stopped up the well so that the person who had a rightful place of inheriting it couldn't inherit it. Have you ever experienced that? So don't get discouraged because something in your life has been stopped up that was given to you or that was told you can have this. And somebody turns around and says, oh, no, you can't have that. You need to understand. You need, don't, don't need to ask permission for what's yours. And see this, that in our lives as well, part of our lives, I promise you it's been in my life and continues to be in my life. There's always going to be a place and a season in your life, if it isn't many seasons of your life, that you will have to dig out your father's wells. Don't be immature and say, oh, no, I'm not digging that out. I'm going to make my own. Be wise. And give your strength and your faith to dig that out that was formerly a part of you so that that thing can be pristinated and flowing. Somebody else might say, well, that's ours, which they did, but he dug them out. And I respect Isaac because you know what? Isaac was not the eraser man. Say with me, Isaac was not the eraser man. Because he dug them out, but he didn't change the name of the wells. He let them remain the names that his father gave them. So I ask you today in your life, in your calling and how you walk with God, what's in your hand, a piece of chalk or an eraser? Are you writing a vision and making it plain in your life so your children can follow you or your friends can follow you and your neighbor can follow you? Write the vision, make it plain upon the tablet so he who reads it may run with it. I spend my time writing a vision, not erasing old ones. So let's invest in digging out those things that are part of the kingdom of God. Part of what I'm doing here today is coming and help digging out something in this beautiful well. A well is a person. A well is a church. A well is a movement of God. A well is Jesus Christ himself. He's the well of salvation. So we need to expect something to happen. See, even though the inheritance is free, we need to expect to work. You get grandma's old house, do you move into it like it is? You know, grandma didn't have a lot of money, so, you know, not unless she was a 21st century upbeat chick, and she had all the good tones and everything right on there happening, doubtful, right? Doubtful. So you're going to go into that house. You're going to tear off old wallpaper. You're going to paint the walls. You're going to put in new flooring. Why? Because you're owning it for yourself. So even though the inheritance is free, say the, my inheritance is free. My inheritance is free. The inheritance of salvation is free. Jesus gave it to us, but it doesn't mean we don't work. When you've received an inheritance, it still takes work. You get an old car, 
You get an old car, you love that old car. Where's your grandfather's car? You wanted that car so badly. You get that car, the seats are done, the rubber off of the, the, the steering wheel is gone, and it's got some little bit of rust in places. You take that baby, and you start putting some elbow grease into that thing. You go to the upholsterer. How much does it cost to upholster this seat? And you pristinate that car until that car is looking nice and fine. You don't leave it like it is. It takes work, even though it was given to you freely. So we need to know in the inheritance, even though there might be stoppages and periods of things being closed, we need to expect to work, though the inheritance is free. Let me give you another example of this. When my husband and I planted our last church in Corning, New York, there wasn't a church there. There was nobody there. We didn't take people from another congregation. We started out from ground zero. Say ground zero. We had spent many years praying in, in uh, where we were pastoring formerly in Montour Falls. We prayed over a work in Corning. When we went to Texas and worked in Texas for a while, we prayed over there, went on the top of this huge multi-service build, uh, multi-purpose building that had a state-of-the-art cafeteria, big sanctuary and classrooms. It was like 40,000 square feet. We'd go up on the top of that building and we'd cry to the north, the south, the east, and the west for Corning to give up all of its people. But the truth was, is when we went there, we had to find a place to live. And so my husband is also a builder. He's a pastor and a planner. He's a builder. He's built churches. He's a Nehemiah. And so he decided it was more cost effective for us to buy some acreage and build a house on it than paying the amount that they wanted for houses. So his plan was, we're just going to put a trailer up here for a little while, and then we'll start building up on the building site where we're going to be, right? Well, we purchased land with two wells on it, say two wells. Say two wells. Uno, dos, two, dos. Two wells. We had two wells. One was the old farmhouse, and one was there where the previous person had his little trailer, and he, and he was there, and he had a well, and he had a septic. So we put within the property... Uh, and in the contract that it all was based on the serviceability of the well and the septic. So we called the guy who was the, the well person, you know. So he comes out to pristinate the well. Say pristinate the well. And I'm never going to forget the sound. I'm a person of sounds. I love music and worship and sounds. And I remember when he put this thing down in there, this pipe, and he put this tube down in there, and, he, and, it, the, and then it would go. And all this brackish gray water was coming out of this tube. And I was going, man, that well water does not look drinkable. And he's going. And then all of a sudden the sound changed, and it went like this. It went, hmm. And I'm looking at it, and nothing more is coming out. And it's going, hmm. And I'm like, where is the water? And the guy gets down from the top of his rig, and he comes down. He goes, somebody put cement down your well. I said, say what? Somebody put cement down your well. I said, what do you mean cement down the well? Jeff said, what do you mean? He said, well, this well, is, is, it's clean. It's, I can tell by the pipe in it, it's a fresh well. It's only maybe five years old. He said, but that hose that I've got there is only like 20 feet down, and it's already run out of water. And he says, and that should not be. There's nothing in the well. He says, and so he went down and he tapped it, and he could tap and feel that there was something there. He said, someone put some in. He was used to that. When people would foreclose on other people that were out on acreage, they'd get mad and they didn't want them to get the free, um, 
inheritance of their investment in the land. And so spitefully, they would say, well, if I can't have this land, if I can't have this well, nobody's going to have it. So they put, they obstruct the well and put cement down in that well. So that left moi, me, yo, sin agua. No water. Now, my neighbor who lived up the way, they had one of those wells that you can never tap off, an artesian well. I would watch my neighbor's water every time I'd go down my driveway without water in my house. Are you listening to me? I'd watch the well from my neighbors come down her driveway, the side of her driveway, and come down into the gully alongside of the road. So every dad have a reminder that she had excess and I had nothing. She had overflow and I had zero. She had abundance and I had nada. And I would say, God, we've come here to plant your church and we don't have water. And we had put all of our money into building and buying blocks and doing the footer work and the construction. And the well that we were talking about digging was going to be about a $3,500 project. We didn't have that amount of money at that time. And I watched that happen, watched that happen every day, being reminded. But you see, God was after a bigger thing. He wanted to dig a well in me. He wanted to dig a well in us to be people of faith, to declare that he was going to provide for us. But that, what was going to be temporary, turned out to be two and a half years without water running in my house. So it was a missionary experience, only an hour from Rochester. Can you believe that? <laughs> we were in a missionary experience. I'd have to get the jugs and the crates, and I'd have to go to my neighbor with the excess and fill up my jugs, and I'd have to bathe our two children, and we'd have to bathe ourselves that way without running water. So when I talk to you about God going deeper... I have an experience about that. When my well in my land has nothing, God is saying, but I have water to drink that you know not of. When my previous tenant on the land that we own in his hostility and his anger to think that somebody was going to come and be able to use that well, he stopped it up. So when I'm talking to you about this, I lived it for two and a half years. I don't say to say that how great I am. I'm not great. I found out how wretched I was. <laughs> I found out how spoiled I was and how complaining I was and how I needed to be grateful that I had a neighbor that had water. So if I don't have my well operating, thank God that their well is operating. Are we those kind of people? Or are we back to that immaturity of like seeing the water, the excess go on the street? Why well, have no water coming out of my well? That's the dealings of God. Oh, I can't be in the will of God. This cannot be the will of God. I mean, how could it be the will of God that we plant this church here? Because you know what? We don't have no water here. So that means we, we got to shut everything up because, you know, it's just not happening. We don't have no water. But God was after digging out something in me. And it has been a reference point all the days of my life. Hosea chapter 2 says, And I will allure her into the wilderness. He said to that woman who was 
not being faithful. I will lure her into the desert. You know, in the desert passage, they don't have no water. And I will speak tenderly to her there. And she will sing as in the days of her youth. She will sing as in the days of her youth. So when God is carving out a fresh spring in you, he's going to cause worship and singing to come to you as you did in the days of your youth. Sometimes it takes those dry times, those times without the saturation of what God has for us to come in a, into a place of understanding that God wants us to go deeper. He wants to go deeper in us. He does. He wants to go deeper in us. How many of you want him to go deeper in you? Look at what you're experiencing, whatever department, whatever corner of your life it is. See that God's intent is to prosper you and to bless you and to make you rich. And yes, you're going to have resistance. And yes, it's going to require work. We got that property for a deal, but it required work. The inheritance can be free, but it requires work work. They might, the wells of your inheritance might be close. See that property that's there that we still own to this day, 30 acres, it's now going to be in a house, an inheritance for our children and our children's children. But if we would have just packed it up because it was hard, because we, we got tricked, but we didn't really get tricked because in the contract, my husband and I had to have a a real powwow about this thing. Okay, we've got it in the contract. We can go back and ask for our money and they have to give it to us. But my husband looked at me, he said, but honey, what we have offered them, half of what they asked, even without the well, we got the better end of the deal. And I knew that was right. I knew that was true. Now the building of the home costs more money over time, but we got 30 acres for $10,000. They wanted 20. And we sold our Jeep Renegade. Turn that baby in, that still stings a little bit. <laughs> I like that Jeep. Said Renegade on the side, those nice cobalt blue, black, shiny black, that Jeep was. But that Jeep was a deposit on that land that by God's grace he gave to us. But I learned from the Lord there. I remember one day being flat out on the floor. We were dressing up, going to church. I couldn't bring anybody home. I didn't even get to. If you don't have running water, then what do you do to get rid of the deposits you make every day? We had a porta potty I have your attention now. <laughs> So my husband made this nice little throne. It had a bucket underneath. And there was way up over the hill, like five acres up, a low place that was away from everything on a high bank. And that's where we were putting things and then covering up with dirt. 
Well, the one day that I'm going to town and I'm going to my neighbor's house to get water, hello, I'm dressed in light lavender so you know what time of, what, what decade that was. I'm all in light lavender. I'm taking my two little girls, but I have to go take the deposits and dump them. So I'm with this bucket and I'm going up the hill. That's right, I'm a missionary. I'm a missionary, but I'm an urban chick. What do you do with that? I'm an urban chick that God's... I was born on the mission field in Argentina de Buenos Aires. There I was born. But I have to tell you the truth. My parents were never without water, without a toilet on the mission field. And here I am one hour from Rochester. That was part of my argument with God. Okay, what's up with this now? You know, we were on the mission field. We always had a toilet and we always had running water. What's up with this, God? You know, but God was digging something in me through the hardship I was experiencing. So up the hill I go with the bank. I'm going up the hill with the bank. Now see, this is how close you are to me as a family, and you are. Some of you might not know it, but my father attended this church. You were wonderful to allow his memorial service to occur here. You comforted my family's heart from all over the United States that came for that memorial. I thank you for that again. But we are family, and I love your pastors. They are precious. They're real people. They're real people. My husband and I love them. So back to the story. I know you want to know what happened. Up the hill, I go with a bucket of deposits that should have been emptied before. But my oldest said, I can't hold it anymore, Mom. I can't hold it. Let me empty the bucket for Mom. I can't. I can't. Practically up to the brim. Up the hill, I go. And I go into the field. And don't you know, my foot catches a bob wire that's buried in the grass, which I didn't see. And I fall down, and the bucket falls down too, on me. We're out of water, people. What am I gonna do now? I'm no longer dressed in purple. It's turned a different shade now. And I have no water, and I gotta go to town. What am I going to do? No water. So there's a little creek down by the opening of the driveway, but it was August, just like now. And by August, there's no more abundance of water, and there's a film of green upon the little tiny pool of stuff there that I would get into. So I, I told myself, I am not going to cry. I refuse. I'm not giving you the privilege of my tears. I've cried enough through this. I'm not crying anymore about this. Now, understand me. My husband is a wonderful man. We agreed that we would brave through this time to build our house. I thank God for his courage and his grace. I thank him for his Holy Spirit and his help. But more than that, I thank him that he dug out something in me that's eternal that will never dry up. When we allow God to go deeper in us, the springs of life that come to us are eternal and they will never dry up. They feed us and they fill us through every hardship, every trial, because it's nothing compared to what we went through in that day. See, he's cultivating us new springs, new wells. So I went down to that road and that creek place is right on the road. 
It's a country road. So I looked up to heaven and I said, all right, this is how it's going to be. See, and I tripped up and I have the you know what all over me. You're going to have to keep all the people from coming on this road so I can take off my shirt and take off my clothes and rinse them off in this nasty, green, slimy water so at least I can get the residue and the smell off of me in Jesus' name. So make sure nobody comes up the road. I don't need anybody seeing me, especially my neighbors. So sure enough, that's what I have to do. I come back to the trailer and my daughter's knocking on the door. Mommy, where's your clothes? I said, I fell down with the bucket. My oldest said, oh no, mommy, you got poop all over you. And they're going, mommy, but what are you going to do? Because we don't have any water to take a bath. I said, we'll fix this up. Man, I think I even that day took comment to my skin. I wanted that off of me. But I thank God for that experience. I thank God for that experience. Because God teaches us things that we can never learn any other way but those ways. And I was in the will of God. And I was a pastor's wife. You don't get any passes. I was a Christian. You don't get any passes. We live in this world. In this world, we're going to have tribulation. In this world, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle, but praise God, he brings us out, and he brings us through. The inheritance, the call of God on our life, it's free, but it takes work. And every adverse thing in your life, I tell you by the grace of God right now, it's happening because God is cultivating. It's not that he did this intentionally to you. God is not like that. I shared in the earlier service, I know during this COVID time we've lost people, and I know a pastor whose wife was near death, and I, I called him to encourage him and pray for him, and he says, where is God anyway? This is causing me to doubt the God that I preach. And my heart just sank because how easy we forget that the rain falls on who? The just and who? The unjust. And it's part of living in this world. It's not because God is doing it to us. We live in this imperfect place. But we've got the word of God. And we've got the great cheerleader, the Holy Spirit. We've got Jesus with us in the boat. We might be despairing. We might be saying, help, I'm drowning. But he's coming. Hold on. He's coming. He's coming. And before you know it, you're going to have conquered that storm. You're going to have conquered that valley. You're going to have conquered that empty and dry place. And God's going to put a river in the middle of it. And you're going to begin to see the purposes of God come about. So just going over the significance of wells. The purpose of them is God sovereignly selected the geography. God selected Rochester right here. Maybe if you're visiting, wherever you are, God selected that place, that territory for you to be in. God chose it, and God chose you. So you have a place here and a purpose here because God put you here. Tell your neighbor, God put you here. Preservation. God honors the sacrifice of former generations. I know that that keeping power, that sustaining grace, I know that fiber 
and the steel in my bones, part of it, I know it comes from God alone, but I also know it comes from the faithfulness of my parents and other former fathers in the faith that put and imparted into me a stamina, a passion. I'm not going away. No, I'm not ducking and running. I'm not going to give up what God has given me. I'm not giving up on my children. I'm not giving up on my job. I'm not giving up on the dream that God gave me. I'm not giving up. I have a living hope within me. God preserves our lives from those impartations, perpetuates. God bequeaths to the present and future generation. For from, me, from generation to generation shall declare your works. Generation to generation, he purifies. In the middle of it, yeah, I don't always have the right attitude. But the important part is that I finally get there. I finally land on the way to respond. I might not internally respond. Come on, be easy on yourself a little bit. You might have initially had a bad attitude, but give thanks to God that you got a better one. You got the right one. You got the right one. That's why sometimes when things happen, we say this, give me a moment. There's a lot under the cover of give me a moment. You know, well, you know, this happened, honey, and that happened, and we're not going to do this because of this and that. He says, what do you think? I'll say, give me a moment. Because I'm bringing into subjection that thing that would lie to me and say to me, you're not in the will of God, and why do you have to work at this again? Why are you investing in something that doesn't belong to you? But see, it all belongs to us because it all belongs to Father. And it's my joy to dig out wells wherever God takes me. We got to be good diggers. And we got to allow God to dig in us through the most contrary, adverse circumstances. I'm an urban chick. Do you really think I like being without water? But it was what we had to do. See, sometimes just getting in the land, because what happens is the devil wants to vomit you out and get you out of where God has seated you. He wants to remove you and say, scoot over. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. Have you ever had anybody tell you you don't belong here or giving you the look? Now, I know I'm talking to some people I know now, giving you the look like you don't belong here. But see, we can't pay attention to that. We've got to keep focused on the Lord. The Lord is the one. He is the one who calls us, who anoints us, purifies us. God digs dip deeper with each generation. He pardons and he empowers. Just some spiritual wells that can't be stopped. See, spiritual wells that you can't put cement in. Are you ready? Salvation is the first one. Nobody can put cement in the well of salvation. <laughs> That is, that's a supernatural well. That's an eternal well. Nobody can stop it up. Therefore, with joy will you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I give him will be in him a well springing up with everlasting wine. How about the Holy Spirit? That's not something somebody can stop up. Nobody can stop up the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, but you will receive power after which the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the earth. I had the privilege of finding a letter written. And it's a story about a little girl who was seven years old who got filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was written to my mother and my grandfather 
when we were at camp meeting at Elam. And all of a sudden, I was reading this letter about how the Holy Ghost came on this little girl. And all of a sudden, I realized, wait a minute, I remember this. I remember this. And the Holy Spirit said, turn it over and look at the postmark because the camp meeting worker asked the little girl, how old are you? And she said she was seven. So I flipped it over. Yeah, you're going to know my age. It said 1967. And that's when I was seven. And I was baptized in the Holy Ghost for three hours. They thought the meeting was over. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God would come on me again. And they had to sit down. They start to get up to shut the meeting, and there I was being baptized supernaturally with fire in a very profound, dramatic way at seven years of age. You can't stop the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is a well that cannot be stopped. How about the anointing? How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good, healing who all were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. He was anointed. And if he was anointed, our anointing that we've received, we've received an anointing as well. We've had hands laid on us for what we're doing. There's an anointing. How about the authority? I talked to you already about the authority when it came down to be interrogated by an immigration officer in a third world country. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power. These are wells that cannot be stopped. The Holy Spirit can't be stopped. Salvation can't be stopped. Anointing can't be stopped. And authority can't be stopped. And you have those things. All of you have those gifts, those impartations. It's time to call upon the name of the Lord, afresh and anew. And the Lord appeared to him that same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I'm with you. I will bless you. I will multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there, and he called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. So I'm reading this thing, and I'm like, the words, and they began to call upon the name of the Lord, kept pulsating off the page to me. And when that happens to me, I know I have to study it to figure out what it means. And actually reading the commentators on, and they began to call upon the name of the Lord. It wasn't just little old Isaac up there calling upon the name of the Lord. He had the whole tribe and all the people come for corporate worship. The call of God has gone out across the land the pandemic, though we still have remnants of things, it's time to call upon the name of the Lord. It's time for the people of God to get back into the house of God. It's time for the people, whatever you have to do to make yourself feel at peace for whatever pre-existing things you might have, wear your mask, don't wear your mask, but come to the house of God. Come to the altar of God. Let's worship to the Lord. Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of our God. Why? Because he's going to teach us of his ways and we're going to walk in his path. I'm part of this digging, going deeper, deeper, deeper. Say again with me, deeper. Lord, take me deeper. I have to expect. So then, 
Seth also had a son, going back where this is in another reference in Genesis chapter 4. It makes reference after Adam and Eve decided to replenish Cain, I mean Abel, who Cain killed. Then they had, the word of God says that they had Seth, and then Seth had Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. In other words, they came out from their hiding places, out from their caves, out from their corners. You know, you might even be present here and you're still hiding. God says, come out, come out wherever you are. Come out, come out wherever you are. It's time to encounter me afresh and anew. We need to expect to dig another well. An altar without a well is an altar without God's presence. An altar without another well is an altar without God's presence. I have to go back there. Let's look at what he did. This is the, the crux of this message. Listen to me. God is looking for a response from you today. He's looked for response from Isaac. When God encountered him and said, I'm your God, I'm going to keep covenant with you. We have a personal relationship. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to prosper. The word of God says that Isaac sowed in one year and in the same year reaped a hundredfold. In the same year. God is going to prosper us. He's going to give us what we need. It's not about us having these dreams of, of greed and want. There are things that we need. It's practical to have a car. It's practical to have a home. It's practical to have good health. It's practical to have these things that we need. But look at how he responded to the encounter with the Lord. See, God encountered him first and said, now don't go down to Egypt. I know there's a famine in the land like the famine was in Abraham's day, but I want you to stay here. And this is where you're going to be blessed. This is where I'm going to multiply you. Right? Did he not say that? You, you, you. It wasn't his daddy's faith. Now he's got his own thing with God. And now Isaac responds. See, God is always looking for a response. God is always looking for a response. And after God affirmed to him again, he appeared to him that same night. I am the God of your father, Abraham. Don't fear. I'm with you. I will bless you. Multiply your descendants for my servant's sake. The word of God says, so he built an altar there. It's time for us to build new altars. Not the kind of altar like Jacob built when he went to a place and it became a certain place. He fell asleep and he woke up and angels were ascending and descending. Oh, this is nothing but the gate of heaven, the house of God, the gate of heaven. No, 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 we're not talking about that kind of thing. Jacob, he built an altar, and he called everybody in the tribe, the servants, everybody, to come, let's worship the Lord. It's time for us as the people of God to make the great invitation to go out to the highways and the byways and welcome people into his house. It's time for us to ask our neighbors, you know, the ones you don't talk to. You want to come to church with me and we'll go out to breakfast after or lunch? It's very easy. But we sometimes fail at easy. We make it complicated. It says that he built an altar there and he began to call upon the name of the Lord. You see, we got to have a fresh encounter with God. 
It's not enough for us to go on our previous encounters. See, it wasn't enough. It's not enough for me to, to think about the encounter that I had with God without water and septic for two and a half years. I can't live on that encounter. God help me if I don't have more recent encounters where I encounter the Lord and the Lord encounters me. How about you get into the car and all of a sudden you sense the presence of God and you say, oh, Lord, I didn't know you were already waiting on me. And there he is, his presence. And you just start to sing. You start to pray. You start to realize that we need a fresh encounter with God. We need to build an altar and we need to call upon the name of the Lord again. Again and again and again and again. And it goes a little bit deeper. Say with me, deeper. You know how deep it goes? It goes this deep. Isaac decided that he was in to what God said. How do we know that? Because he pitched his tent. He built an altar. He called upon the name of the Lord. And he pitched his tent. See, no more time for portable plants. You're either rooted and grounded in the geography and the will of God where he's called you because without a root and without the roots going deep, no fruit. No deep roots, no fruit. It's time for you to say, I'm in. No matter how hard it is, no matter if I don't understand it, no matter what's going on, God, you're after me with your whole heart, and I'm running after you with mine. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm not going to run away. I'm dwelling here. I'm not just touring here. I think sometimes the Church of Jesus Christ should be called the biggest tourist center of the world because folk take their tours. And they don't get planted. And when they don't get planted, they don't get a new spring of water. When they don't get a new spring of water, they get dried up. You know, the only kind of plants that live apart from the soil are funguses. God has called us to be trees of righteousness. So Isaac's response was, he, his response was, he made a fresh altar with God. He built a new one. He called upon the name of the Lord, which meant calling everybody to come and call upon the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent there because the nomadic life was over for him now. This is where God is. This is where God has encountered me. This is where I'm going to be fruitful. Right? And then the word of God says this other wonderful thing. And there Isaac's servants, what did they do? Dug another well. How many wells did these brothers dig? They just dug wells. Dig a deep well in me, O oh Lord. See, the digging out of our life in the journey with the Lord, in the walk with God, what's the principle? The principle is expect to dig another well. An altar without a well is an altar without God's presence. Because the water symbolizes the flow of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. Now, I know all over this auditorium, there is struggle. There are real issues in real time. There are things happening in your marriages, in your family, in your workplace, in your communities, in your cities. But I want to tell you that God says, listen, 
I want you to call upon my name. I want you to build a fresh altar with me. I want you to get rooted and grounded what I've called you to do and be. I want you to have faith because right now through everything that's happened, we have been inoculated. We've been inoculated with a little germ called fear. That's the antonym of faith. God wants us to be a people of faith, faith church. So we need to begin to move as if God was doing something in us. Don't be discouraged. I know it's discouraging what you can go through, but have courage, be bold, be strong, be faithful, and have faith, and believe God for the impossible because he's looking for a response from you today to build a new altar. He wants you to call upon his name and get others to do the same. He wants you to pitch your tent. And one more time, dig a well. Dig a well. Finally, it's time to call upon the name of the Lord, and it's time to see the Lord. Isaiah 6, 1 and 3 says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and lifted up, I think you're a slide ahead of me. High and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. What happened? Isaiah the prophet went through something very hard. He lost somebody that he loved. He loved this king, Uzziah. But see, at the time when we have loss, say with me loss, whether it's a person or a loss of sorts, that's what time when we need to see the Lord. When we have a fresh revelation of Jesus. See, that fresh revelation of Jesus is the same revelation that Isaac had of God that made him build an altar, that made him pitch his tent, that made him call upon the name of the Lord, that made him dig another well. The prophet says that he heard the angels crying, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. See, wellspring at the altar of revelation when we see the Lord. When we see the Lord. So what can we expect? Expect a fresh revelation, a new vision of God, an awakening that aligns and fills faithful servants. I don't want to go on yesterday's dreams or yesterday's encounter. I want to have a new one. How many of you want to have a new encounter with God? A new revival, a new of what God is doing by his spirit. His Holy Spirit is moving in your lives and through your lives. And it's a wonderful thing. We need to expect revival. See, personal revival perpetuates corporate revival. When my life is revived, it produces revival. When your life is revived, it produces revival. There's been a change. There's been an encounter. There's been something glorious that's happened to you. You're not the same. Somehow you heard God. You were reading the scripture. You were praying. Or all of a sudden, you woke up in the morning, and the realization was, this is a new day. What you've been experiencing all this time is done. A new day has come. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You're not going to continue to go through that old thing anymore. That old thing is dead, buried, put at the cross. Now resurrection life springs up, feeding your spirit with hope and with life, with the understanding that God's about to do a new thing. 
Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.